Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. And this is Dan Spade. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening Listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we had to be here. We, uh, we're in, in awe of you and of your majesty and of your power. Uh, we're in all of the text and of the, and the power of the word and how how uh, connected it is and how we can learn so many things and and connect all these things to you and, and back to us. And we're just so grateful. Father, bless us as we study. Be with our audience that they might that they might learn, they might grow. And as they apply these things, Father, that they'll become the very best they can be. We thank you for the opportunity, Father, and help us as we get into some into some things, Father, that uh, in in the coming weeks that that uh, are going to be really important. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we've we're uh, in Leviticus 16. We've looked and we've seen that it really is a big deal. It's a very important thing. Nadab and Abihu found out in a big way that the way you enter into the holy place matters. The I, way you come before God. Matters. I think before that, Cole, we need. We were talking about before we started is is uh, we need to reaffirm that what God is doing, they're, they're three or four or five months out of Egypt. Right. Yep. They have, they have, there's been a lot of things that have gone on and that they have not even begun the the wandering yet. They haven't even started. Right. God is getting them ready. He's preparing them. And this, all of this discourse is about it, building a place where they can come and worship him. Uh, they can't go in there. We've learned that. They can't go in there whenever they feel like it. They can't go in there whenever they want. There's a certain way they have to do that. But God's preparing this group of people to wander in the wilderness and get them ready for the promised land. And it all points us to Jesus. It all points us to, uh, to us. It all points us to the church. And, uh, and people say, well, I don't understand. We're going to try to help with that in, as we go through this one today, where we look at some things in the book of Hebrews, maybe look at some things in Matthew. Yeah, because this has huge implications. It, absolutely. I think us. we knew when we started Leviticus, chapter 16 was going to be one we were going to spend some time on. I mean, so we jumped in last week to Leviticus 16 without, without much preamble. But let's take a step back and look at what Leviticus 16 is. The law is five books. Yes. Right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. Leviticus is the middle of the Torah for a reason. Mm -hmm. And the middle of Leviticus is 16. Yeah. This is what it's been leading up to. It's been leading up to God getting man. Ever since Genesis chapter 3, and we've talked about this before, we haven't mentioned it in a bit, but ever since Genesis chapter 3, man was expelled from the presence of God. Centered of the picture, death followed very quickly after that. Man decided to rule without God. God's been trying to get man save him from his sin and death and bring him back into his presence. But the sin has to be dealt with. And we've seen why with Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus 10, we saw violently why yeah. sin's yeah. got to be dealt with. Yeah. So how, God, how is God going to do that? Well, Israel, the physical nation of Israel that God has saved from Egypt here 
is going to be a type of the spiritual realities of the church. Yes, exactly right. So what we have in the church is God's end goal, but he played this out first with Israel. And that's what's going on in Leviticus chapter 16. Mm -hmm. He's bringing a sinful nation, Israel, mm -hmm. into his presence. He's dealing with their sin, bringing them into his presence. And eventually that through Jesus, what we'll see is that extends to all people. And that's a big deal. We're gonna start saying it now. There is a big difference between God and uh, rather, there's a big difference between Israel and all of the other nations. We have to start understanding this. There's there's a division here. Israel is God's portion. He has let go of all of the other nations ever since Babel. Yeah. Ever since Babel, guys. Babel started that war off, and God said, "Fine, y'all y'all want to do your own thing? Fine. I'm gonna give you nations away, and I'll I will I will craft one specifically for myself." And he started that through Abraham. That's exactly right. And he started through Abraham. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about it because guess what? All of this, you we need to understand this now because this is going to impact. We're going to later have a class on why does God allow slavery? Why did God allow slavery? God is so good, so great. This is a this is a, an argument people get hit, hit with all the time. Why does God allow slavery? We need to understand what God is doing. The spiritual realities of the world. The nations have been sold into slavery and bondage. He has crafted a nation for himself in Israel. And this nation that he has crafted, this physical nation that he has made, is a type of what is to come in the church. That's absolutely true. And when we when you look at how he's, you know, and we've talked about this before, uh, and this is kind of a review, guys. You know, right now, right now, before this, there was no there, there was no uh, Moses and Aaron coming into this into this place where God was. That's they, right. They're not going in there. He's yeah. he's setting them. He's getting them ready so that they can be prepared to go in to be in His presence. That's right. Just like He's doing the same. He did the same thing with us. He did what He did to prepare us to go into His presence. That's right. You know, we'll, we'll look at we'll look at Hebrews chapter ten or, or so where it says we can go into there with boldness because well, of what Jesus does. And so let's look at that real quick. So Leviticus sixteen, we've looked at last week. We looked at how difficult mm -hmm. it is mm -hmm. to enter into the presence of God. Only the high priest, who has to be a descendant of Aaron, yep. who has to offer the, the the goat he's got to offer the bull for his own sin he's got to offer all of these things he's got to have a scapegoat come up he's got to have lots he's that scapegoat uh, one of the goats is going to be sacrificed the other goat's going to be taken away from the people right mm -hmm. and then he's going to enter into the most holy of holies he's going to enter behind that curtain there's a huge curtain where the ark of the covenant sits separating it's 60 off foot that. Tall. it's huge 60 it's huge foot tall. Yep. so aaron's going to enter into that room but he's not just going to walk in he's going to no. walk in with incense and, and, he, and he has to take blood in there. If you know, if you know, and he's going to take the blood of the, the bull and the goat and all that stuff, right? But if you remember, if, you, if you've ever been to a Catholic mass, uh, I think it's Catholic mass mm -hmm. where they walk with the incense mm -hmm. thing and mm -hmm. they swing it back and forth. He's going to take like th that censer type thing. He's going to take that in there. He's going to wave it around. And why? Because he's got to hide. Even though he's already offered sacrifice for sin, even though he's the right guy Absolutely. at the right time, even though he's entering with the anointing oil, even though it's, it's the right guy at the right time with the right attitude, with the right offering, even though all of that is correct. Hide. He still has to hide. Still has to hide. He still has to hide because let's, of the sin. But let's let's look at what happened when okay. Jesus when Jesus offered himself on the cross. Okay. In Matthew 27. So we're in Matthew 27, 51. All right, we're going from Leviticus 16, right? We're going we're gonna to go from that, right? 
Now, in Leviticus 16 and verse 13, it says, He is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord, and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover. That's where God that, sits. We're back in, we're in Leviticus 16. That's Leviticus yeah. 16. I just want to remind us. The, uh, he will conceal the atonement cover above the tablets of the covenant law so that he will not die. So this is God's high priest, Aaron, who, who's he, in there the right way. In there the right way. Not like Nadab and Baihu just walking in whenever they wanted. Yeah. Right guy, right time, right mind, right everything. And he's still hiding. Yeah. Still hiding. Yeah. All right, let's look at what, G, what happened with Jesus, right? At the moment, this is uh, Matthew 27, verse 51. At the moment, uh, and when Jesus, well, let's look at 15. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. So this is Jesus dying, him yeah. offering himself on the cross. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. Now, it's a 60-foot tall curtain. Okay. This is not a this is not a curtain like on your windows, all right? This is a 60-foot tall curtain. Okay. Torn from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. What was that curtain? That curtain was there to protect people from just stupidly wandering in in front of in front of into God's presence where God this was God's throne on earth. This is Eden. Okay. Yeah. We need to understand this is Eden. Yeah. So what happened? what did this God put? This is the put, throne room of God. What did God on earth? So on earth, on earth, room yes, on, on earth. earth. Yeah. So what did God put at the entrance to Eden? A barrier. In the flaming fire, right? The cherubim with the flaming exactly sword. Right, a barrier. Okay. What happened to Nadab and Abihu when they broke that barrier? They were consumed they by fire, fire, right? Killed them. The pictures on the front. I, I mean, we have to, I want us to grab this picture because it's, it's a picture. The picture on the front of that curtain that just got torn in two, there are cherubims sewed, angels sewed all over that thing, mm -hmm. right? So... You breach that barrier, you're passing a cherubim, and you get consumed by fire. Is God telling us something? Yeah. You can't come into my presence. Jesus dies, that curtain gets torn in two. That, that barrier that has separated us since mm -hmm. Eden. And then, and then if you look at Hebrews, and you look at, uh, I think there's a couple of them that we need to look at. Uh, but chapter 9, for sure, uh, it says... Uh, uh, in verse chapter nine, verse six, when everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. So this is this is when everything had been done, like we're talking about here in Leviticus. Yeah, when every, everything had been done, then the priests carried on their duties every day. Every day they carried on their duties. All right, but only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so this curtain stood as a stark reminder. You know, here we're in Leviticus, and they just built this tabernacle. It's just, it's been just been built. It's fresh, brand new, and he's telling them this is what you can do, this is what you can't do. Here, Hebrews is telling us this is what was going on. That's right. When it's got done, the priests daily perform their duties, and and they they could walk in front of this this curtain. They could walk around by this curtain, but that curtain was a stark reminder. Don't go past here. That's right. You can do all this other stuff, but don't. And then there's only one guy that can go in there, and that's the high priest. And that's what it says. It said he entered the inner room, and that only once here, and never without blood, never. And we know now that he took the blood of the bull, took the blood of the goat, and he took and he took incense to cover himself because to hide himself, because he was still under that that banner of sin, which he offered for himself and the sins of the people and and that had committed iniquities. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. Yeah. So while this tabernacle in Leviticus 16 is still functioning, that's the way it has to be. That's right. High priest only goes in once a year, takes blood, takes incense so he can be hidden. And he said, 
This is an illustration of the pre present time indicating the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They were only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external revelation applying until the time of the new order. And the new order was what happened to the curtain. You just read it and it got torn. It ripped from top to bottom, signifying what? It's all the barriers gone. But let's go back. I want to, this is an illustration for the present time indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. How so? Well, think about it. That the Day of Atonement, the, the ritual that we've read with Aaron, he is going to do that once a year. Yes. He's going to do that once a year. So it's over and over and over and over. What is, what is this? What is this system, the, the covenant at Sinai, the law of Moses, the, the what we're reading, the regulations in Leviticus that the Hebrew writer is talking about here? What is this system? It reminds us over and over and over again that sin is always there. Absolutely. Absolutely. That we are a, a that that God wants to dwell yeah. with us, but him dwelling within us is life and death. Mm -hmm. Because we're because we're sinners, we're a hair's breadth away of just being absolutely destroyed all the time. In this system. In this system, yeah, that's in, right. Yeah. Because in, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. And God's already promised in Jeremiah that there's going to come a point that, what did he say here? In, until the time of the new order, he said, I'm going to make a new covenant. Mm -hmm. And in that covenant, he said, not only will I forgive them, I will forget them. Yeah. That means they'll be gone. There will be no need for incense anymore. Yeah. You won't have to be hidden and covered up. Yeah. Because, you know, and he tells us in first, first John chapter 1, he said, if we say, you know, if we if we walk in the light, have fellowship with one another, the blood of his son cleanses of all sin. And he says, if we have say we have no sin, we're a liar. Truth's not in it. So we have sin. I have sin. You have sin. Yeah. But the blood of Jesus, as long as I walk in the light and have fellowship with you and, and I and, yeah. and we have fellowship together, you know, that's well, how significant the new order is. And this is what our faith is actually wrapped up. Absolutely. In. So, so, so many people, when we start talking about faith, people think, well, oh, my faith is just that Jesus is the son of God and that he's the, that, that he is, that he is, that oftentimes even today, what we hear is he existed, which blows my mind. Um, what there's, I mean, there's, there's overwhelming historical evidence, not just written here in our scriptures, but secular, historical, histories. secular, yeah, historical evidence. overwhelming evidence that Jesus existed. Our faith is not wrapped up in the existence of Jesus of Nazareth. And our faith is, I mean, frankly, our faith is not wrapped up in that he is the son of God. We believe that, but there, but Paul says that the resurrection is evidence of this, right? So just because secular historians decide that they're going to deny something doesn't mean that it's not a fact or no, true. No. So what is our faith wrapped up in? It's what this, what him being the son of God means. Yes. Yeah. That's what our faith is wrapped up in. Our faith is wrapped up in the fact that because he is the son of God, because he did raise from the dead, because he did go into the tabernacle, because he did do these things and offered his blood, I have faith that God is going to forgive me. Yeah, because that's what he said he was going to do. I have faith that yeah. my trust and confidence and assurance is that as Christ forgave, Absolutely. as he rose, so Absolutely. too will I. Yeah, and when you when you look at this, and, and like I said before, and I've told other people, if you don't understand the book of Leviticus, you cannot grab a hold of the book of Hebrews. It's it's very, very difficult. difficult to, it's very difficult. Yeah. To to make the to make the connection. You know, superficially you can, but to get into the like we're doing the nuts and bolts and saying, okay, here's what Aaron was doing, and this is why he was doing it. Because there was a new order coming, and Jesus was going to tear that whole order down. He's going to tear it all down. Yeah. He was going to come in with his own blood, well, not gonna, with the blood of an animal. He's going to complete it. You know, Absolutely. Matthew chapter five, he said, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets. Came I came it. to fulfill it. Yeah, he I mean, to it. that's, that's what the law and the prophets, which is what this class is all about, has, it, 
in it's baked in that there is a need for a savior. Mm-hmm. That there is a need to accomplish this mission. Think about it. Genesis chapter three establishes that need. There's a want, there's a child coming. Mm-hmm. There's a seed of woman coming that's gonna destroy this rebellion. Yeah. And if you're watching guys and you and you're in a right relationship with God, you know, all we're trying to do is reemphasize why what your faith has to be based on. You know, we say, well, I believe in Jesus. I do believe in Jesus, but why do I believe in Jesus? Like you said, what does ago, that mean? I believe in him because he because he did what he said he's gonna do. He did this stuff. And he made it possible for me to walk into the most holy place in the throne room of God, even though I'm a I'm a no account, good for nothing sinner, and and be and be found righteous and be found worthy. That's amazing to me. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, uh, you know, I mean it, it's just, you know, to to see and if I'd have known this way back when, I never would have stopped reading the book of Leviticus. But I didn't understand any of this. You know, now we're trying to help you to understand if you if you're not in a relationship with God. You can't have a relationship with God without being obedient to that to the one who went to the holy place. That's right. You, you can't have a relationship. Well, with him. and let's look at Levit- let's look at Hebrews four real quick. Okay. Right? So Leviticus sixteen makes it Leviticus ten and Leviticus sixteen makes it really clear that just walking into the presence of God is a really bad idea. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. But let's let's look at a reality real quick in Christ. What we have this is Hebrews chapter four verse fourteen. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, this is Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So so Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, is it's very much you need to understand Leviticus to understand Hebrews, but Hebrew, the, the book of Hebrews is making a, a very big point, And that is the new covenant and what we have in Jesus is far superior to the old. That Jesus is superior to Moses, that Jesus is superior to the angels, that Jesus is superior to Aaron, Jesus is superior to all of it, right? Yep, yep. That's the point he's making. So this is the comparison in chapter four. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Aaron and his sons never did that. Mm-hmm. They never yeah. ascended into heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet. He did not sin. What does that mean? Does that mean that Jesus was tempted to view pornography? No. No. That's not what this is talking about. No. What is, what is the sin? What is the common sin that befalls all mankind? I hear what you say, God, but I do not trust you. Mm-hmm. God says there is an abundance. There is more than enough. I fulfill you. And we look at God and we go, uh, no. Yeah. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. God says this is life. And we go, uh, I don't believe you. God says that's death. And we go, uh, I don't believe you. And that's it's over and over and over again, right? That's the sin that he's talking about. Jesus, right? If you look at his temptation in the wilderness, what was his temptation? To turn rocks into bread? Mm-hmm. I mean, where's the where? How is that a violation of law? Where show me show me where but, that's. But a I sin. think it. But I think we uh, we can't lose sight of that. Jesus did walk this earth as a man. Oh yeah, yeah. And he absolutely knows right. what you're going through. Well, he understands the he understands the feelings and the insecurities. But he the temptation it. that we all fall prey to mm-hmm. the 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 viewing the pornography, the the going after and robbing a bank, the the falling into the trap of money. What is all of that? At the end of the day, what it is is we're looking at God and we're not trusting God mm-hmm. to give us the things we need. But all we can wrap our mind around it is that is that there's a there's a unique. No, not unique. There are sins that are germane to all of us. That's right. That yeah. Jesus understands them. Absolutely. He understands Absolutely. the he understands the the imperfection of us. Yes. And and it's a and it's a, it's comforting for me to know that I have a high priest, you know, and I'm sure it was comforting for them to know that Aaron was going to go in there for them and they trusted him. They trusted that what was that after the first maybe not at the first time. Think about what it was like the first time that Aaron went in there. 
I mean, I mean he did. He had, he remembers what happened to his sons. Have you ever have you ever watched like a like a sporting event, like a football game or something like that? And uh, there's this awesome miraculous play, like like hail mary, mm-hmm. you know everything. It's like oh my gosh, this team just pulled it out of the fire. They yeah. just took the lead. They're gonna win this. It's gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. And then the very next play, there's a fumble. There's an interception, and it, everything just turns on its head immediately. That's what it was like. Because what happens? Moses and Aaron walk into the Most Holy of Holies. The people freak out. They cheer. They have to celebrate everything else. And then right after that moment, they come walking out and Nadab and Abihu go walking in. Mm-hmm. And they get smoked. Yeah. What do you think all the people are standing there doing? They, you know, everyone goes from, <gasps> to, <gasps> Yeah. I mean, yeah. what do you do? And, it, and you know, they're expecting that next time Aaron goes in there, he's going to get smoked too. Is he going to get smoked, man? Like yeah. what, what just, is the covenant broken? Are we all going to yeah. be destroyed? Think, I mean... Think of the impact that that sin had on the community. And this is something that we don't often appreciate. And we're going to get back to, to Hebrews 4 in just a second. But sin is not just an individual problem. Well, I think this is, I think this is, is connected to chapter 4. You know, because, because sin was so egregious. It was so ugly, so dark, so black to God. Mm-hmm. It's not to us. It, sin is just, is just normal behavior anymore. You know, when yeah. Jesus comes and he experiences the 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 uh, the insecurity of that he, he he experiences those feelings he didn't succumb to them because he didn't sin right. but he understands how it feels he understands what it's like he understands the 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 ease of what it, what it, how it can happen you know because satan takes him up when he's vulnerable doesn't take him up when he's tough he takes him up when he's vulnerable and offers him all this stuff and and the, the temptation is i'm hungry i'm tired i'm a king nobody recognizes i'm a king i could you know you can make me a king that kind of the pride of life the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh you know all of that stuff jesus knows that stuff yeah. he 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 can he can comprehend my feeling now he doesn't approve of my sin you know, he no. doesn't he said man what did i do this for man if you're going to do this anyway but but they don't throw me to the to the garbage pile. Yeah, you know, I mean, they 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 he's made provision just like in the Old Testament. They made provision. Here's sin. Here's the sacrifices for these sins, and we didn't cover all that. But there are sin. There are sacrifices for all these sins. This sin, that sin, whatever sin. And here for this one, you offer a dove. For this one, you offer a goat. For this one, you offer whatever. You know, and and Jesus understood that that it, it's never going to fix anything. It wasn't going to fix. All it was going to do is just just placate God for a while. Well, it, it fixes the outside. Yeah. But what needed to be fixed was the inside, and, and that's why. You, and that's you why I said it can't kill his conscience. Well, and you mentioned Jeremiah thirty-one. Jeremiah thirty-one, starting about verse thirty-one, is is where God promises that new covenant. But Ezekiel thirty-six, he does it too. Mm-hmm. And in Ezekiel thirty-six, it's really interesting because he goes he goes deeper with it, and he says, "I'm going to remove." There's a time coming. I'm going to remove your heart of stone. Don't I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Yeah. And I'm going to give you a new spirit. And then I'm going to put my spirit in you. Mm-hmm. See, this is the reality. With under the new covenant in Hebrews chapter four, not only can we now approach God's throne. This is verse sixteen. He says mm-hmm. we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence. What confidence did Aaron have after watching his sons get blown? Probably not up? much first time. What confidence did all the people have after not watching much. that? Not much. It's scary at that yep. point, isn't yep. it? But we, even though we are sinners, because of Jesus' sacrifice, because of his blood, we can approach his throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy, not judgment. We go before his throne and receive mercy. God's throne, it's so awesome that God's throne is always a throne yep. of mercy. Yep. 
right? Well, the, well, and I want to I want to give them easy to understand what mercy is. Mercy is when God does not give us what we deserve. You know, we complain about people not being fair. Thank God, God is not. Oh, fair. thank God, and grace, <laughs> thank God. and grace is because it says it here. He says that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us. Mercy is when I walk into the throne room and God doesn't zap me like He did, smoke me like He did <laughs> Nate Evan Abide. That's merciful. Grace is when He looks at me and He says it's okay, and He puts His arm around me and says I got this. Grace is when He gives me what I don't deserve. Right. You know, mercy is when he doesn't do what I do deserve. I deserve to get smoked. You yeah. deserve it. I, well, I cer we certainly don't deserve to be offered a way back into Eden. You know, I, 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 uh, I'll tell you this, and you know, and I, 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 uh, I got on to my wife the other day for something, you know, and I was really upset, mm -hmm. and I, and I made her cry. It was horrible. You know, it was horrible. She's never done. I've, you know that because since she's had this stroke, it, her personality is different, and it was it was a shock to me. I was I was shocked. Well, you're used to it. She's she George is a tough woman, and yeah. you're used to a knockdown. Oh, struggle. Yeah, smack in the mouth. Right. You're yeah. that's that's the that's the wife you have known. Yeah. And now because of the stroke, that's not who she is anymore. No, and it and it shocked me. And I'm thinking I felt so bad. So all I could do was walk up to her. And, and just put my arm around and say, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. You know, that won't happen again. And I, and I look at, at, at that relationship that we have with God, and God does that to us. He said, it's okay. Because she said, it's okay. She said, I, it's all right. You know, and, and, I, and we went and did what, what needed to be done. It's a recalibration it was, that has to happen. And, man, I'll tell you, you know, when I, when I see this, and it says he gets, I walk into the throne room. And I'm and I'm beside myself with grief and misery because of what I've done. And God said, "It's okay, it's all right. You know, I got this to offer you. I didn't deserve for her to say it's okay. Yeah, because I was ugly, and I was ugly enough to make her cry. And uh, and and that that those tears came from a lot of different places, but uh, but in the in reality, it was because of what I had done. Yeah, what I have done." I deserve to not be anywhere within within a million miles of God. And God says, you know what? I want you next to me. That's right. I want you next to me. It's God, you don't have a relationship with God. That's what he's looking for. He's looking to give you an opportunity to be to walk into the throne room of God and for him to put his arm around you and say, I love you and I forgive you. And I won't remember any of this. In a, in a, I've already forgotten it already. And it's all because not what you did, right. but because of what that guy sitting on the thrones did. Yeah. What he did sitting next to me, that's because of what he did. It's and not about magic words no, or magic no, ceremonies. No, it's not about a, say a prayer. Or, that, you know, it's none, it's none of that. And we all, you know, and I've seen a lot of people from, from different groups, from different areas, that that's exactly what it is. It's it's about, oh, I said the right words at the right time. I responded. I, I talked to one gentleman after a funeral, and he said, I'm so glad at seven years old I answered the altar call, so I don't have to worry about any of this anymore. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, like, it. what are you talking about? Like... Paul says, forgetting what lies behind and pressing on ahead, I'm going to run the race. And this man essentially said, oh, I, I won the race when I answered the altar call at seven. Well, what have you done with the rest of your life? Yeah. You know, he yeah. don't want just, he don't want your seven-year-old yeah. self. He wants your whole thing. You know, Cole, I think, you know, I'm going to get an opportunity to preach for you in, in a couple of weeks. And I think I'm going to preach about discipleship. What does it mean? What does it look like? Yeah. What does God call us to when it, when it, when we're supposed to be disciples? Because we have so many people that, that have the idea that if I go to church, show up at church on Sunday, I'm good. Everything's fine. God wants a life of faith. He yeah. wants your loyal love yeah. expressed. Yeah. He wants 
your faith expressed through loyal love. Yeah. That's what he's looking for. Mm -hmm. And so to say that, well, I said the magic words one day, or, you know, I got wet one day and to say that, oh, everything's great now. That's not no. how it works. No. You've no. got to run the race. Yeah. You've got to actually get it's up. It's about turning my life over to him and being able to crawl into the th throne room of God if I need to crawl in there and say, please forgive me. Well, and we feel that way. We feel mm -hmm. like we can, we can, we have to crawl in there, but we don't. But it, that's not what he says, though, does it? No, he says no. we have we have confidence. I, and look, I'm with you, man. When I when I've struggled with something, and I fail, right? God says in every way for those in the church. Now, this is in the church. If you're yeah, if you're still people in the that world, are in right relationship. Look, yeah. if you're still in the world, you don't understand. You're a slave to your sin, and no amount of you fighting, digging deep, or anything, I mean, I made a difference. You're going not to sin. Matter. You're a slave to it. You haven't been set freed yet. Yeah. But if you're in the church, you've been set free. Mm -hmm. You you have been set free, and we within every temptation we are told that there is a way of escape. Mm -hmm. So when we succumb to sin, yes, we right. are failing, and we know that, and it makes us feel like I've got to crawl on my belly and my face before the throne of God and beg for His forgiveness. Mm -hmm. That is not the case. That is not the case. No, no. Now, should we repent from that sin? Absolutely. Should we, absolutely. Should we, should we try to fight it against it? Oh, yeah, a, all it that. Give me the freedom to say, okay, well, if I'm not going to be held accountable, that, but that, that's right. we are held accountable in a sin. We are. You know, we have, we have responsibility to live our lives the way that we're supposed to live them because of what Jesus did. What does Revelation say? It says at the very end, every tear will be wiped away. Why are, we all, why are we all weeping at the victory of God? Because every single one of us is going to have to stand before God and give an accounting. And we're going to see all of the ways we failed. We're going to see all the people that we should have talked to that we didn't. Mm -hmm. We're going to see all the times that we should have stood firm and we didn't. We're going to see all the times that um, we gave in. That's a scary thought. Man. We gave in. I mean, you, you start really digging into what we're talking about here at the end. And yes, it's God's. It is really what what's going to happen is all of us who are in the church and redeemed and saved and washed in his blood. We're going to get a moment by moment. We're, we're going to watch a highlight reel of all of the ways in which it is actually God's victory and not ours. Yes. Yeah. That we're going to be in such a state that the only reaction we have is we take those wonderful crowns that he just gave us and we throw them at his feet because they're his. Yeah. They're not ours. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I already know when I stand before God, I already know there are going to be some of those moments where I'm going to be so ashamed that I'm going to have, I'm going to try to find a rock to crawl yeah. under. Yeah. But yet even then he looks at us, but in the meantime, up. in the meantime, you know, we, we live our lives on a, on a, on a plane of, of obedience and confidence and trust, you know, you know, we we trust in God. We trust that He's going to do what He says He's going to do. And I and I feel sorry for people that don't understand that. If that's where you are, I feel sorry for you. I, I want you to I want you to find that saving that that saving blood, that saving cleansing well, that Christ has. And there's so much more, right? You and we're we're already out of time here, but and there's so much more. You know, not only do we enter into the presence of God, He gives us His Spirit. That's absolutely right. We need, that you know we let's do let's pick that up. In Ezekiel thirty-six next week. Sure. Let's look. Let's start. Let's start there. Okay. We'll, we'll we'll start with that and look at what it means to that he's gonna the new maybe Jeremiah thirty-one and Ezekiel thirty-six. We'll sure. look at those because we did allude to them. We didn't go to those, uh, but maybe we'll do those next week. Hey, That's well, where we'll start because he because he, then then he's gonna he's gonna lay his hands on the on the scapegoat to remove the sin. That's this is all symbolically physical of how they're doing this. That's not gonna happen with us. Yeah. 
Not going to happen with us at well, all. Well, I mean, and look, we've already established with Nadab and Abihu, you cannot dwell, God cannot dwell in the presence of sin. No. So for God's spirit to dwell in us. That means sin's gone. That means sin's gone. We could look at, we could look at, a, at, a, at 1 Corinthians where it talks about our bodies being a, a, well, a temple. It's a continual washing, as you said. We think of it as, oh, I messed up and now I'm out. Oh, I did the right thing, yeah. so now I'm in. Once you're in, you're in, right? That's not. That's but we not live in a question. society, Cole, that judges each one about what their value is yeah. and what they've done or haven't and we, done. We take that and apply it in the and church. And we apply that to the church and can't do that <laughs> yeah, no, because that's not the way God operates. God is so much better than we are. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's pray. Guys, please, please watch next week. I think it would be interesting to go to those texts and look at them. Uh, mo most people don't like to go look at those texts because they're, they're, you know, they're hard to understand. But we're going to look at it and kind of, kind of cut it up next week. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this study. I pray that there's folks out there that have been watching or that will watch in the future that that will really be uh, necessary for them to see. And I pray, Father, that they'll, they'll look at it with the right heart and with the right mindset. Bless them, Father, as they as they watch and as they learn, as they grow. And as we all draw closer to you and, have, and, and build a trust in you uh, as we watch and as we learn from the text. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity. Bless us as we study continually. In Jesus' name we pray.